I was starting to get people going, everyone's writing a book. How are you ripping off this system? How are you only getting good reviews? So once I got the bad one, they stopped asking that question, but no fewer people started calling. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Today's Agent Power Huddle is brought to you all about reviews. Reviews. Reviews are the lifeblood of real estate agent's business. No, that's a total lie. Buyers and sellers are the lifeblood of real estate agent's business. But the way you end up getting buyers and sellers is oftentimes people look you up, right? Think about the last time you bought anything without reading the review. Like you might be standing in Target looking to buy a pack of gun, but like, which one's better? I'm going to Google it, right? So Will, our guest today, Will Penny, is a broker owner for many, many years. Uh, for How many years did you own your own brokerage for, Will? Oh, my wife, my wife was the main pimp and broker. I was just a lowly real estate agent. So it was, it was 21 years. Fair enough. So he owned his own brokerage for 21 years. He's, his team sells a couple hundred homes a year, and there's only five of them. Okay? And Will Penny's become one of my good friends. We're, we're business partners through, through EXP. But more importantly, today we're talking about collecting reviews. How do you get them? Why they're important? Will, where do you want to start today? Like, like I mean, how, for how long have you been focused on reviews for? Let's start there. All right. So I got a call in 2010 from Elizabeth Arnold, who was a sales rep at uh, Zillow. And she's still there. Am I responsible for admitting people? Because it's yes, you are the only one who could admit people. Because Autumn is frozen, and um, yep, so just let him in until because we'd ever get a big co. And unless you know how to make me a co-host, well, you got to let people in. How do I do that? Uh, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out later. Just okay. let people in. So. How did let people in? Um, anyway, 2010, she called me and she wanted to sell me uh, Zillow leads, and I was probably a rude customer. And um, so over time. Uh, she whittled away at me and I ended up spending a couple hundred bucks on Zillow leads. But she told me, you need to work on getting reviews. And up until that point, um, I got my real estate license in 1988, back pre-internet. Um, and what I did back then for, well, until 2010, I was getting uh, clients to write recommendation letters. I put them in a Mylar folder and put them in a three ring binder. And I take those with me on listing appointments. And uh, because social proof is incredibly important in our business, validation from other people um, it is is very important. Uh, a recommendation from one person uh, is great, but if you have recommendations for from a lot of people, then that typically is going to carry a lot more weight. So that I knew that um, for a long, long time. We I had hundreds and hundreds of uh, of letters and I'd go pick a letter up from a client, a client, Hey, can you write me a recommendation letter? I go pick it up from their house and stick it in my folder. So she started talking to me about reviews because Zillow had profiles and they also, um, allowed the uh, customers or clients to review the agent. So there was an agent in my marketplace back then. Uh, he's still around great guy, Tom and Olis, and he had 60 reviews. So I knew that my job was to get 60 reviews. So I, bottom line is this, now, fast forward to now, um, I've got about 557 reviews on Zillow. I'm no longer acquiring reviews on Zillow because I'm convinced they're finally eliminating 
premier agent, by the way, and they're they're going to flex. So, so, so how many? So, how many reviews did you collect on Zillow? I just want to hear this for a minute. Five hundred and fifty-seven. Okay, and uh, we could go for you know an hour just on the changes at Zillow and what that means for agents. But, but I'm curious. So, someone because there's a there's a number of agents that went deep into the world of getting reviews like you did on Zillow. Are you thinking going forward? Will it still be impactful for social proof to have them there? Are you trying to migrate those people somewhere else? Like, what do you do with all those reviews on Zillow? Two years ago, maybe three. I had my nephew um, take them all and put them in an HTML file um, so that I had them for the future. And then I started building a Google profile because I my fear was that Zillow, once they moved to the Flex program and they're finally doing it completely, I heard, then they're, they're going to have to eliminate agent profiles. The only way that they can control... Uh, the, the, the leads going to a paid agent or to an agent that they're going to get a referral fee from is if they make it blind. Maybe I'm a cynic, but that's what I think they'll do. I don't think that they can keep the agent profiles with the agent contact information on the Zillow platform if they're trying to control referral fees. We can talk about that for half an hour. But anyway, two years ago, I started uh, moving towards Google. So I had a Google profile already. Um, but I started asking my clients to review me on Google. Now, a lot of agents get in the weeds on reviews, just like they get in the weeds with buyer representation agreements and anything else that goes outside of what they're not used to. But it's incredibly important that you create a social presence, whether you're getting, uh, I like Angie's List was a big one for me for a while. Um, but Google reviews, so far this year, I've I've had four closings and two listing appointments from Google. And we're only, we're in the middle of February. I'm going to pause right there. When you say from Google, do you mean like, are you doing the Google local service ads or just truly like people found you there at the check to reviews? Like how do you source those back to Google? Right. So I started, um, I started participating in the GLS, like you said, GLA, uh, Google local service ads. Um, I'm spending, I've got a $1,000 a week budget, uh, but I'm only spending maybe, um, okay, they switched it. Okay, cool. She must have unfrozen her computer. Um, she so, thought out. She thought she out. She thought out. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, what we, I lost my mind. What were we just saying? We were saying four deals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We track back, and you started doing Google local service ads. So we're trying to figure out. So when you walk me through, because I mean, there's there's all there's all different sorts of people that are listening right now, right? People yep. who have zero reviews, five reviews, a hundred reviews, and so I'm curious about do organic reviews still help the paid stuff? So I want to kind of like let's start with this paid on Google local service because you need the reviews to go with the paid Google local service ads. But I want to see how that's working for you, and we'll get into more of like truly just like organic reviews for the sake of reviews. I still get organic reviews or excuse me organic business from google you need to have a business profile and get reviews on there and by the way there's a lot of weight behind adding photos you need to respond to the reviews you need to make your google local your google profile more active you need to add stuff to it add house photos add photos of you with people that helps push you um to the top of their however the algorithm works i don't know but to answer your question, I, I get more business from the Google local service ads, but in my own town, Stowe, Ohio, I still show up organically 
as the top profile in that town. So it's really important that you have, even if you can't afford to do it, and by the way, don't do HomeSnap because HomeSnap uh, will allow you to pay them to do your GLS ads for you. And there's some other, I think Mike Ferry uh, also does Google local service ads where they're an affiliate and don't do that. Um, again, the cynic in me, I did this with uh, home. I did it. It was a thousand a month. I was paying HomeSnap, but there was only about $200 going to the ad, this ad spend. They were keeping about 800 bucks of the thousand. So, so what you're, just to make, make sure we're clear, you're saying don't have someone external you don't need Google to. local service ads. You, so you can go straight to Google and get much more bang for your buck if you're going to do that. Because they have reps, don't they, that, that work with yeah, you? Yeah, you can actually talk to a human being. Isn't that amazing? You, you pay someone enough money, they'll talk to you. Google, you can talk to a human being. If you cool. just Google uh, local service ads, real estate agent, lo uh, local service ads, they, the phone number and the way to sign up is right there. You have to get, you have to get um, background checked. Post a copy of your license, your insurance, and you get this little green check mark. A lot of the markets are sold out, but it doesn't matter. You still need to have, you can still get organic business from Google. So, so, so quick question. I, I got a, I know this is not only about Google local service ads. I want to go back to more right. the organic stuff as well, but what, what's your budget right now? Like, what's it going to ask? Because you're, you're in Ohio. And by the way, you're not targeting like all of Cleveland. Like, you have like, you're, you're in like the suburbs. You target a pretty a smaller oh. market. No. And by the way, it's so funny. Everyone goes, oh, you're in Ohio. Somehow that makes it like hokey and not everybody's that interested. We are, we've got 8,000 agents in Northeast Ohio. There's, keep in mind, Ohio is a swing state. There's 11.7 million people in Ohio. Um, we, and it's, co it's condensed and concentrated to uh, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, Akron area, which is Northeast. But we've, you know, we've got, um, a, it's more like Chicago where we are, right? Well, that's why so, I like to point that out because just so, so people kind of put this in the context for their own local market. So, so in, you're in a pretty big market. So what is your, what is your budget that you have to spend for Google local service ads to make it worthwhile? So what I did in order to stand out, I have a $1,400 a week budget, but I only spend about 40 bucks. The, the higher the budget because there's so many agents. I mean, there's a ton of agents that have signed up for the program. But if you have a bigger budget, Google will favor you even though you don't use the budget. So smart. Oh, I love it. Got a $1,400 a week budget, but I the most I've ever used is 100 bucks. So, so so can we go back to some of this, the, the organic things that people can do? Because um, I made a note here, I wanted to go back. When you said like adding photos, commenting on reviews, that sounds almost like a full-time job. Are, are you doing that yourself? Do you have someone in your back office? Like, how do you how do you balance the time to do all that stuff? Well, no, I mean, first of all, you're only going to get one review at a time. You're not going to have a hundred come in, right? So if you get a, you'll get an email from Google saying you got a new review. All you go in there is you click reply and you say, hey, Jesse, thanks so much for the great review. It was a pleasure working with you. you we appreciate the trust you place in us. Um, God forbid you get a bad review. Then you just, you, you take the high road. I had one bad review. I remember in 2013, I was driving to lunch or something and I got a notification. I had a one-star review and um, I spoke to Elizabeth Arnold again. And basically I said, um, I thank you so much for taking the time to give me this review. I'm going to, I try to be um, like, I try to do the right thing, but somehow I failed you and I will use this as an opportunity to try to do better. Because keep in mind, if you argue with people that review you, or if you somehow 
bash them. I mean, there's some restaurants that have done that as like a shtick and they've done really well, but you don't want to be the realtor that argues with your bad reviews. It's not, it's not good. Right. So I have one bad review on Zillow. I've got no bad reviews on Google. Um, I had a bad review on Google. They took it down and someone accused us of like stealing their identity or something. And Google realized it wasn't bona fide, and they took it down. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you do. But the most important, I know we've got 15 minutes. The most important thing that happened to my business when I started placing value and reverence on getting good reviews is it changed the way that I communicated with my clients and it changed the way that we provided service to our clients and it changed the way that we hit these certain landmarks in each transaction that we would normally take for granted that we now communicate heavily with our clients so that they're not having to ask so many questions where we have more checklists. So before you start going in all in on social proof and getting reviews, you better make sure that when you send that link to a client that they're going to give you a good review. And what that does, like me placing value with my team on reviews is kind of like a police officer's body cam. Because when you let everybody know that you value reviews and they know they found you on Google or on Zillow or what have you, well, I tell them, I say, listen, you, you found me this way. So that that's your insurance policy that we're going to do an excellent job. And if we don't, I expect you to communicate that to me as it's happening. So if you feel like the communication is not to your level or to your style or we don't respond quickly enough or whatever, I expect you to let me know that because that your number, my number one focus is, is communicating to, with you the way you want to be communicated. So we became a lot more transparent in the way that we provided value to our clients, which gave us more ref, referrals over the, the, the long haul anyway, because we, we provided a, a higher level of service. And we, all that means is we communicated more often. I love that, Will. So, so, by the way, I love the body cam analogy. It's so good. And the transparency. So let's, and, and I know you, I've got to be pretty good, pretty, pretty close to the last couple of years, but I don't actually know this. Are, are you a systems guy? Like when you say we started looking at different points and milestones in the transaction, is that the way your mind worked to say, how do we look at these points and create more communication? Or do you have someone in your back office that helps structure that? How did you approach that that challenge? You know, my team setup is different than just about any other buddy, anyone's team for the most part. I mean, we're set up like a doctor's office. So I've got a showing agent, listing manager, closing coordinator, and they each have their own roles. Plus they sell houses. So I have a closing coordinator that updates our clients once a week. Basically, I've I've eliminated all of the time drains that are normally associated with real estate, showing homes and overseeing the transaction. And then I, but I'm still the one that communicates with our clients, my clients, because so they don't forget about me because too many agents hand off everything and they end up removing themselves from the transaction. And they also remove themselves from their client's memory going forward. So I'm the one that usually calls and lets them know what's going on. But then I have somebody else that says, Hey, the appraisal's back, but I'm the one that's checking in with them. So I'm the one that usually goes over pricing, expenses, negotiates offers, um, talks to them about stuff that's going on. But then I have somebody else that's just delivering updates. 
That totally makes sense. I, I love that. So are you proactively asking for reviews all throughout the transaction at certain points, only at the end? When do you actually ask for a review? And what percentage of your clients do you think actually give you reviews at this point? All right. So we, we mention it at the beginning of the relationship. So at the beginning of the relationship, I say, by the way, here's your insurance policy. At the end, I'm going to ask you to give me a five-star review on Google. All right. So I'm kind of exposing myself by telling you that because I'm pretty confident that I'm, that I can do what you need me to do so that you'll give me a good review because social proof and our internet presence in 2024 is very important to us. Uh, because a lot of people find even, you know, some people rely on one-on-one personal referrals and then there's other people that go to, um, uh, popular mechanics or they go to, you know, uh, they want to see online what other, like they'll go to Amazon and see there's 4,700 reviews on this product and then they'll only buy that product or they'll go to Yelp and they'll only go to restaurants that have more than a hundred five-star reviews. There's people out there and we want to appeal to them as well. So I'm going to ask you for a review at the end. Um, but in the meantime, if we're falling off the mark at all, I expect us to have a trusting open relationship and you're, you're going to hopefully tell me if things aren't going, I want you to be able to communicate with me if you think things aren't going well, because all I want is for that to happen. All I want is for you to be happy at the end of this. That's a great script. I saw it. I mentioned it at the beginning and then we asked for it at the end. Yeah. I saw Jody right taking this, by the way, if, if anyone else is here, can turn your camera on. We, we can, we can feel like a family. Turn your camera on. By the way, glad to cut Jody over camera on. Um, if you, if you're multitasking, all good. If you're listening to this recording, yeah, clearly can't turn your camera on, but if you want to join us live ever, it's agentpoweredhuddle.com, right? 8 a.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday. Anyway, a little plug for us. All right. So Will, check this out. But we got 10 minutes left. Think about if there's anything you want to communicate that we haven't. I want to take a quick detour. And if we have any, uh, any audience questions you guys want to ask, please, you know, type into the chat box, let me know. Um, I want to take a quick detour through the concept of internal versus external decision-making. Do you ever hear study those or know those under those two terms, Will? No, explain it. Okay. And, and it's funny because we've been talking about it for 20 minutes, but yet I, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me until just now what you just said. So there's, there's two ways that human beings process the world. I forget whose theory this is, but it, it seems to make sense. They're, they're either internal decision makers or external decision makers. And the way you are one way is not the way you are through your entire life. It depends on the level of importance you put on the decision, where it's coming from. Like if you were to go buy a car, Will, would you go test drive it? Would you talk to the salespeople? Would you ask friends? How would you go? Where would you go find out recommendations when you buy a car? I would start looking online personally. Okay. And where would you look online? Uh, true cars, car gurus, maybe go to a BMW website. Yep. So, so that, that's an internal, that's an example of an internal decision-making process. You're doing your own research. You're gathering data, right? Now, you just referenced someone before who said they go on, you know, Amazon, like when I'm buying products on Amazon, I'll tend to just Google it. They all look the same or Yelp and Google it. I, I look at this Amazon search results. I'll, they all look the same anyway. I'm like, that one has 47,000 reviews at, you know, four and a half stars. That's the one I'm going to buy. That's an external, still a little internal, but really more it's external because I'm looking for feedback from other folks. I might even so much as like, I'm trying to buy a suite right now to a concert. And I just, I posted on Facebook. Like, hey, does anyone have a connection here? I'm like, who do you know who I can tell? That's like an external process. So when you're talking about reviews, it's really interesting because when you start, looking at something as large a purchase as a home, right? Some people who normally would be internal decision makers often go external or they'll go back and forth. As I, as I kind of make that distinction, have you ever thought through that, how that 
when you're targeting which categories of people as you're doing this these review gatherings? Um, no, but social proof is human beings. It's like that um, that video where the people start dancing, the one guy starts dancing on the side of the hill and then somebody else jumps up because they feel bad for the guy. And then the girl comes in and then she starts dancing. And within a couple of minutes, the entire hill, the vast majority of people aren't going to be, they don't want to put themselves out there uh, and they rely on social proof. And that's how people are. I mean, a lot of people, that's why the suggestion box at a, uh, at a restaurant, you you see these pay- places go out of business and they've got a suggestion box and then the owner's going, but we had a suggestion box and why didn't they just tell us what was wrong? Because the vast majority of people will just, just kind of s- slump back into the hedge like Homer Simpson on that meme, you know, and they just won't say anything because they don't like confrontation and they don't want to take issue with anything. So they'll just quietly disappear. Well, those same people normally don't ask a friend for a recommendation. They'll usually go online and they'll go to places like Google or Yelp or whatever it is that they use. Um, and they'll find who, who other people are going to. And they place more value on that. A lot of engineers are that way. A lot of analytical people are that way. They, will, they, they won't ask their brother or their friend because they're like, I might ask somebody at work who, the, who which realtor they used, but what happens if they could still be a bad realtor just because one person, so they, they place a lot more value on going online and saying, okay, this person's got 16 recommendations. Um, and, even, and by the way, bad reviews, as long as, like if you have one or two bad reviews, a lot of times that for those type of people, they don't mind seeing one or one or two bad re- reviews because it makes it real. When I get, I had about 150 reviews at the time when I got my bad one and I, I pulled over the side of the car and almost like had, had a legitimate anxiety attack. But my rep, she's like, listen, Will, having a bad review, as long as you handle it properly and you're empathetic and you agree with what, you know, you understand why they're having these, this position you're going to use this to do better in the future. All that does is make this, the, the, the seer of those reviews, you know, the people that are looking at reviews, it makes them go, okay. Cause what I was starting to get people going, man, you've got these, everyone's writing a book. How are you, how are you ripping off this system? You know, how are you only getting good reviews? So once I got the bad one, People started, they stopped asking that question, but no fewer people started calling. Yeah. So, so we got about five minutes. I, I want to I do a minute or two for, so people who might be listening that don't have a lot of reviews yet. So they're on the quest now. You, you've put it on the radar. You've got to start doing it. Um, what, what tips would you give to someone if they're just like, they have five reviews, they have 10 reviews. Maybe, maybe they've been doing real estate for a while, but they never focused on it. Like, is it too late? Are they, are they done? What should they do? I would, um, there's always going to be agents that have 500 to a thousand reviews or more, but there's a downside to those because a lot of people look at those and they go, I'll never be able to reach that guy. Right? So what I did in order to ramp up my Google reviews, and you've got to be careful because if you start getting just anybody to review you or whatever, you, you've got to be careful. But I went back to my past clients. Um, that that reviewed me on Zillow. 
I copied the review, texted it to them, sent them the link and said, hey, would you mind copying and pasting this into, into Google? They were bona fide reviews, right? But then what I did is I sent out an email and I said, hey, I'm trying to get more reviews on Google. Uh, the next 10 people to give me a five-star review on Google. Now, these are real clients that had a real experience with me, but I made a challenge out of it. And I said, I'll give the next 10 people that give me a uh, five-star review, I'm going to give them a $10 gas card, right? Just to start ramping up my reviews. Um, and I did that for a while. And I know other agents that I've talked to have done that as well. And it's been, because you're, you're not paying for reviews, you're just kind of incentivizing them to take the time to go and give you one. But I don't do that anymore. Now, I would say at least 50% of the people give us a review. But the vast majority of humans, because they have their screen time is as bad as yours, you know, they're not going to... I'll ask them once or twice. And then, um, like, we have a moving truck. And the other day, I this this Nick, this kid who, rent, who took my moving truck to move because we provide that to our clients... And I'm like, hey, uh, the, the key's in the back. Don't forget that review, you know. So I kind of make a joke out of it. But um, however you want to do it, you got it. I, I, lo- I love those, Will. That was actually a really great tip because I guarantee they're gonna, we're going to, I just told Gian is with us here to make it, make it into a clip. Like migrating your reviews from Zillow to Google, there's no way to do that. But if you copy and paste it, you make it easy for people to review you. Yeah. I truly believe that when you do a great job for someone, like I, I have... I've never worked with you as a realtor. I have no idea, but just knowing you as a person, well, I can only imagine you and your team do a fantastic job for buyers and sellers. We tried to. Yeah, but so when you do a good job, and I say that because I know you're a thorough human being and you care, you have empathy, you have a heart. When you do a great job for someone, I think they want to review you. I don't think they, they, they don't want, they want to review, you have to make it easy for them. Get busy. They're doing don't it. ask them to review you on more than one platform either. Pick your platform. If I were you, I would pick Google. Because Google ain't going anywhere. And I would just, whatever you do, I would just use Google. And maybe get some people to review you on Facebook, but Google is the number one search engine. So that's what I would do. Interesting. I, I had actually heard that Elon uh, Musk was going to buy Google and rename it Y. So that is that not happening? It's, it's, Sorry, that's nerdy, nerdy Twitter X joke. Anyway, all right, we got one minute left. Will, is there any last things you want to play? Otherwise, I've got a song queued up just for you. Um, is there any last, last little tips, advice, things you want to you want to leave here before I wrap up? Yeah. No, I think we we covered it. All right. Well, don't ask for reviews unless you're sure that you do a great job, and that's the police cam analogy. You know, it keeps everybody honest because when you mentioned at the beginning that you want review a good review then you kind of have to, you can't set yourself up for failure. You better do a good job. I love that. Will, by the way, guys, if you do have reviews, or not reviews, referrals for uh, for someone in Ohio, right? Stowe, Akron area, I was in between Akron and Cleveland. That's where we send them over to Will and his team. They will take excellent care of your clients and they'll probably get some more reviews. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Will, thanks for being here, man. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.